Well, today we are continuing our look through Ephesians. We come to Ephesians chapter 2. We are God's workmanship. We are God's work of art. Now, we've been looking at verses 8 and 9. We have been saved by grace through faith. Our putting faith in God's grace. Putting faith in God's work on the cross. I heard uh, J. Vernon McGee one time, and uh, he was asked the question. Somebody said, well, I've been saved by God's love. And, and he, he just about uh, bust an artery. Because his point was, God loves everybody. Sinner and believer. He loves the non-believer, which we all once were. So much that even while we were sinners, Christ died for our sins. And after Jesus rose from the dead, he still loved every sinner. Yes, everybody in heaven is going to have been loved by God, but everybody in hell will also be loved by God. That God's love did not save us. It was a brutal cross. Jesus dying, paying for all of our sins. And without that torture, without God coming into human flesh, which is hard enough, and lived perfectly for 33 years, tempted in all ways, were tempted without sin. Without him paying the penalty of our sin, we could not go to heaven even though he loved us. Because we have to be perfect as God is perfect in order to go to a perfect heaven where there's perfect holiness and perfect righteousness. And we could never do that. We can't undo even the least of our past sins. And we definitely, even if we were to live 10,000 years, would not live a string of good works that would ever attain to the righteousness of Christ. And this is why God, out of love for us, who's also a just God, and I've discussed that before, you can't have love without justice. You cannot have mercy without a penalty being paid for the crime or the sin. And uh, God justly paid the price for us through his son, Jesus Christ. It's been paid. His last words on the cross, it is finished. It is to tell us thy in the Greek, which means paid in full. And so it's by having faith in that grace. There is no way in which we could earn our salvation by works. If you remember in Ephesians 2, the very first three verse, it, it spells out plainly that we are morally and spiritually bankrupt. We are by nature children of wrath and we can't change that nature jeremiah explains this in jeremiah 13 23 can an ethiopian change his skin or the leopard its spots then may you also do good who are accustomed to do evil how can we not sin when our nature is a sinful nature peter talks about this how we can try to escape the pollution of the world, but like a dog returning to its vomit, 
or a pig after being cleaned returns to the wallering in the mire. You say, why does it do that? Because it's its nature. And that's why Jesus said, we must be born again. We have to have a new birth. And in that new birth, we have a new nature. God's Holy Spirit comes into our life and gives us a new nature. Self-reformation will not work. This week, I'll be better, God. Just forgive me for last week. And next week, man, you will see the most diligent, obedient person you've ever seen before. Sound familiar? Yeah. The leper can't change the spots, nor can we, our sinful nature. Nothing we do, no amount of times doing it, will save us. We are not saved of ourselves we are not saved by our works there's no amount of laws we could keep that would help us be righteous salvation comes as a gift from God for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish one side of the coin but will have everlasting life. I mean, that would be good enough if God said, I, having Christ die on the cross for your sins, that you don't receive the punishment of your sins for eternity. That would be, what a gift that would be. But he doesn't do that, does he? He forgives us, and then he gives us eternity with him in heaven with the new body. That gift cannot be earned. What have we earned? The wages of sin is death. Those are the wages. That's what we've earned. Eternal separation from God and eternal punishment for our sins. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Salvation is something that God does not owe us. We do not deserve it. He gives us the free gift because of his grace. There's so many people who emphasize what I must do for God. Matter of fact, all religions of the world, except for Christianity. And even then, not all churches understand this doctrine. It's about you. The focus is on you and your deeds for God. You got to go to church. You got to go to confessional. You got to do the communion. You got to get baptized. You got to you got to then pray several hours a day and whatever you're praying, raise the bar. You're not praying enough. You need to be holy and you're not being holy enough. You're giving, but you're not giving enough. You're coming to church, but not often enough. This is man. We, we sense in ourselves something's lacking even as we try to reach God and we finally reach him and I think he accepted me, but now I got to work to be accepted I, I think I just got unaccepted by last week I got to work again start over to get accepted by God to not get black Bible got blackballed by God to not upset God and I did I upset God I can feel it I I didn't please God enough I can feel it I, I know he loves me but I, I know he's disappointed and I, I don't want to disappoint him I need to be better this week so I'm not such a disappointment and this is man 
And this is what you see in all the religions of the world. People walking on their knees. Or in India, the guy will put his foot behind his head and get himself in a pretzel for 30 days. Or you rub the belly of Buddha and you give him some food that will go to waste, but then burn some candles and bong a, a symbol of some type or a drum. Meditation, yoga. Be a Mormon and ride a bike and go for a two-year missionary trip. Be a Jehovah's Witness. Get a brief briefcase and a suit and go to door after door after door every week. It's man not in faith. It's man who has faith in himself to reach God, to then be accepted by God. Because God is up there saying, I created you and you are falling short and you better get busy because you're going to die and your works are not good enough. You better stop the bad and start the good. And we're focused on ourselves, pursuing God, trying to reach God. Once we reach God, we're trying to keep in good favor with God. We're trying to remain accepted by God. And, and I just got unaccepted again. I, and, it, and it repeats until man gets weary in his pursuits. Man gets frustrated in his pursuits. Man gets angry in his pursuits. And then he gets angry at the organization. And then he gets angry with God. Because it's so frustrating trying to please him. And I am never good enough to do so. Religion. Satan loves it. Satan loves seeing the Catholics chasing their tail over and around. He loves to see the Muslims chasing their tail. And they're so busy in their religion. But yet, the religion never receives acceptance. In the honesty of their heart, they know they haven't been good enough. And how painful it is for God Christianity is so the opposite. We're accepted in Christ by what he has done for us. David in the Psalms says, What shall I render unto God for all his benefits to me? He's given me so much mercy, so much kindness, so much forgiveness. And, and when I fall in sin, he comforts me. And when I struggle, he loves me even more. I can feel it. And though I daily fall short of the glory of God. I remember when my kids were first riding the tricycle and they would come in. Oh, dad, my leg, my leg. And they would point somewhere on their leg and I couldn't see anything. But I would kiss it and go get a Mickey Mouse Band-Aid and put it on them. And I'm laughing and giggling. It's so much fun. They come back in a few minutes later. My knee this time. Oh, let me kiss it. Put another Band-Aid. After 20 minutes of the tricycle and 20 Band-Aids. I wasn't bummed that they fell. The fact is, is God loves us. He comforts us. The Holy Spirit that lives in us is the great comforter. Where our sin abounds, what? His grace abounds more. If a righteous man falls seven times, what can he do? He can get up all seven times. Because we come into a throne of grace. And in that grace is all the grace and mercy we need in our time 
of need. What shall we do to accept all of these benefits from God? What must I do? David says, I'll just drink the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. As a father pities a child, so the Lord pities us. He knows our frame. He knows we're but dust. So he crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. We're not reaching God. God has gone out of his way to reach us. He sent his Holy Spirit who's in the world right now speaking to every single person. To some guy at home right now in his lazy boy recliner clicking through the channels waiting for the NBA to start at about noon. God's Holy Spirit is knocking on the door of his heart convicting him of his sin explaining to him the righteousness he cannot attain to and that he needs to repent now and turn to God now because we do not know when we're appointed to die we don't know when the rapture of church is coming and it's appointed every man to die once and then judgment and nobody can stand before judgment because we are by nature children of wrath we are bankrupt spiritually we have nothing we can pay there is no purchase price possible again david in psalms 49 says in 6 through 8 those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches listen to verse 7 of psalms 49 none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to god and ransom for him for the redemption of their soul is costly and i like the way the niv translates this last part no payment is ever enough God owes us nothing. He is a debtor to no man. In Romans 11:35, or who has given to him to God and it shall be repaid to him. Our response to this wonderful gospel, I love that hymn, to God be the glory, great things what? He has done Jesus has done it all to him be praise and glory for all the grace not of our works the thief on the cross isn't going to go to heaven and boast about his works he's going to boast in the mercy and the grace and the cross of Christ Romans eleven thirty six says for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be the glory forever amen let's picture two men two men who die at the same moment one is a believer and the other one is not a believer and let's say before they go into their eternal state, after they die, they could present themselves before us. You would see two men who are equally sinners. You would see two men who are sinful by nature. You would see two men unworthy to go to heaven. 
So how is it that one goes to heaven and the other will go to hell? Because it's not of ourselves. It's not of works. It's a gift of God. And one believed in the gift of God through Jesus Christ our Lord, who died on a cross and paid for their sins and rose again, conquering sin and death. I love that first John 2. Now, brothers, this does not sin, but if any of us do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, our lawyer, Jesus, who is the propitiation. His blood was shed, the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the whole world. The unbeliever, his sins were equally paid for. He never collected. There was a check written. And that check, all he had to do is pick it up and take it to the bank and deposit it. And he would have had eternal life. But he never had faith that the check was worth anything. He never had faith that it would give him eternal life. This is what we see with the two thieves on the cross. It could have been one murderer and one thief. Or one rapist and one thief. But God determined it to make such a picture for us. They were both thieves. They were both horribly sinful in the prison. They were horribly sinful as Jesus was suffering, as they were ripping his beard out. He was carrying the horizontal part of the cross, spitting upon him and mocking him. It tells us that the thieves, even though they were walking to their own deaths, that's a hard art, were equally mocking Christ. And then after being hoisted upon their own cross, they on the cross expended some of their energy mocking Jesus. Two men so incorrigible they had to crucify them that's not typical of thieves but these men would not stop no matter what was done no matter how long the prison sentence no matter how many times beaten or put into stocks they were never going to change their ways but yet when jesus said father forgive them they know not what they do the one thief bing this is no ordinary person next to me. He actually, if you compare all the gospel, says, Jesus, Lord, remember me when, not in the future. He said he believed Jesus would raise from the dead when you come into your kingdom. If you believe Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That man would be, he would die on that cross no hands to do good works, no feet to go to good works. But Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Both of those thieves died almost at the same time. One will go to heaven because he believed. One who equally could have believed did not. And he will be in hell. This is why we need to understand that we are saved not by us reaching God and by our good works for God and by our prayers because God likes us to pray. None of these things are to get God to accept us or to forgive us or to show that, that we're worthy of heaven. We're never going to be worthy of heaven. That God 
is accepting me because I'm trying so hard and I'm so sincere. No. God doesn't want us to believe in him and then to be back in the religious game. Jesus didn't die on the cross and raise again and said, I gave you salvation. Now it's up to you whether you keep it or not. I started this thing. Now I'm handing the baton off to you. Now start obeying me and living the righteous life. And if you don't, well, we're going to X you out. We're going to kick you out. We're not going to take you to heaven after all. No. It's neither things present nor things to come that will ever separate us from his love and for the work of the cross. It is done. We are saved. That is the past completed action with present results. We don't have that tense in English. But it's very clear. We are saved, completed, past action with a continuous present result by His grace. How do we have that grace? It's by putting faith in Him in his work, in his love, in his mercy, in his kindness, in his forgiveness, that he has done and will do the work. Not of ourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Our boasting will only be in him. So now we come to this next part, verse 10. And before we get there, I want to Talk about another man. I saw on YouTube a video where Ray Comfort was sharing the Lord with this very cynical guy. And you can tell he had been burned out on religion. And he says to Ray Comfort, okay, okay, okay. I'll believe in your little Jesus. Oh, what do you want me to do? Pray a prayer? And then all of a sudden, I'm going to heaven. That, that's what you want, right? And Ray said, no, you need to believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God's raised him from the dead. Well, I don't even know if there is a God, but I'll pray your prayer. I'll believe in your Jesus. Where do I sign? Where's the dotted line? Lead me in a prayer. I'll pray your prayer. You see... That's not faith, is it? When you truly have faith in Christ, you are having faith in him as a savior, which by definition means you need a savior. A savior from what? From your sin. And when you are sorry for your sins and you can't do anything about your sins. Maybe it's you observe your sins hurting others. Maybe it's you observe your sin destroying your own life. But there comes a place where you've tried and tried and tried and you say, I can't do it. I have done every program there is. I've tried to believe in the giant within me. There isn't one, he's a midget. I've tried to be good in every way I know to be good and I can't maintain it. I'm dead. It's like the 
the guy in the ocean who's trying to swim and he's drowning and and the lifeguard throws out a buoy to him and and he shoes it away I'll, I'll get myself to shore but you don't, you're not swimming you keep going under and he's got to finally get to the place to say I'm gonna drown if somebody doesn't save me that's when the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and of righteousness of judgment I need a savior and then they believe in their heart in Jesus as their savior so that brings us to verse 10 for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand predestined in advance that we should walk in them so we are his work of art understand we are not merely saved from the wrath to come we're not simply saved and given a ticket for heaven and then you know just live out the rest of your life on earth and and you can know that you've bought in fire insurance you know you go into the drawer and look through your paperwork yep there's my fire insurance no we've been made for something beautiful to happen in us and through us and that comes when a person has faith in christ not just going to church I can't tell you how many people I've talked to. Do you know how to have eternal life? I am a Catholic and the priest guarantees me if I do what he tells me to do, he'll make sure I get there. They have faith in the Catholic Church. The faith, the Mormon has faith in his Mormon organization, his religion. You can have faith in some of the stupidest things doesn't save you faith doesn't save you it's faith in the genuine article of the correct Jesus not the Jehovah Witness Jesus who's an angel not the Mormon Jesus who's the brother of Lucifer who used to be a man on a planet called Koloth not the Muslim Jesus who's a prophet insignificant prophet but he's a prophet of God nevertheless no it's in jesus who is god in human flesh who paid for our sins and we believe in his death and resurrection as payment for our sins and at that point we've passed from death to life this greek word workmanship is the word poema we get our word poem from it jerusalem bible calls it the work of art ff bruce calls it the work of art but also he calls it a masterpiece it's God's love is trans uh, God's love is a transforming love it doesn't simply save us but in that moment it creates us to be this beautiful work of art this amazing masterpiece this incredible poem or song we are his new creation something new he has made us in Christ Jesus second Corinthians 5 17 Therefore, if any are in Christ, they've truly believed and are in Christ. He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We have a new nature. And God now has predestined that new nature to be amazing. 
Spurgeon says this, the spiritual life cannot come to us by development from our old nature. I have heard a great deal about evolution and development, but I am afraid that if any one of us were to be developed to our utmost apart from the grace of God, we should come out worse than before the development began. It would be like making chocolate-covered dog poop. It might look tasty, but you don't want to bite into it. Spurgeon also says this, Our new life is also truly created out of nothing, as were the first heavens and the first earth. This ought to be particularly noticed, for there are some who think that the grace of God improves the old nature into, an, into the new. It does nothing of the sort. We are born again. When we believe on Christ, we are starting afresh and new with a brand new nature. Now, we're going to be going into the rest of the book of Ephesians, who says that new nature is in a very sinful body. <laughs> In a very sinful world, and the spirit of this world is to sin. And there is a real devil with real demons who are targeting you. They're not targeting people who aren't walking with the Lord. Where is the demonic world? I don't ever sense the demonic world. Yeah, Satan only has a limited amount of demons, and he's not wasting them on people that are non-believers. He's attacking believers. He goes on in Ephesians 2 to say, were his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. The beautiful thing is God is making of us an, an, act, an active in good works. These are just as a part of God's predestined plan as anything else. These good works are valid evidence. Someone is walking as one God has chosen. In Wood's commentary, he says, works play no part at all in securing our salvation. But afterwards, Christians will prove their faith by their works. Here Paul shows himself at one with James, who says, faith without works is dead. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works. 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17, Now may... Our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God the Father who loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace. Comfort your hearts. Establish you in what? Every good word and work. Titus says this in Titus 2.14. Who gave himself for us that we might, he might redeem us from every lawless deed purified for himself his own special people his work of art zealous for good works in philippians 2 therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed not in my presence only but now much more in my absence work out not work for and the state of being saved work out your own salvation with fear and trembling why for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Imagine you're standing in the court of the king. And the king calls you by name and comes over and says, This is a letter I need you to deliver to somebody in town. And don't give it to anybody but them. 
and you've been standing in that court for three years and you didn't even know the king knew you existed. What are you going to do with that letter? You're sweating, aren't you? You, you sense the joy that he chose you and you also sense the responsibility that he chose you. Our life here on earth is not infinite. We don't have an infinite amount of days to get it right, do we? Matter of fact, our life is very, very short. And I would dare say that there's some of us here that will not see next February. You actually have 300 days left before you're going to stand before God. Maybe 100 days. Maybe this is it. He goes on to say in Philippians 2, verse 14 and 15, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Now listen to this. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. We need to stand in awe. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I have a short time on earth. And God has prepared specifically for me a predestined plan. And I can and I cannot walk in it. I wish when I was born again that God also took away my free will. That he made me a robot. Well, I need you to be a free creature. I, I choose not to be a free creature. I, I choose that you take control of my mind and my heart. And, and I can't think evil. I can't do evil. That the moment I think evil, er, I'm frozen in time until I start thinking good. Okay, now I can work again. I choose it, God. But yet, how do we show love for God? By choosing to do his will. If you ask somebody, hey, I'm moving from one house to another this coming Saturday. Can you help me? Now, believe me, people showed up to help you move. It blows your mind. They only have so many free Saturdays a year. And their muscles are going to hurt. They'll probably blacken a fingernail or two. They might even be having to go to the chiropractor on Monday. You know this. But when that hard work has been done, and you know how grueling and difficult it was, you knew the cost it took them. Don't you appreciate them more than you've ever appreciated them? In the same way, if... Being born again meant that now I can only do good, really, really good, really, really good. That's all I can do. <laughs> but yet the Lord gives us complete choice, even being born again. I have the full spectrum of the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil every day. I can even, as a believer, choose to disobey God and dishonor God and sin against God as when I was a non-believer. Or I can choose to deny myself, take up the cross and follow him. I can choose to crucify my flesh with all its passions and desires that I might live completing the good works today that God predestined for me to do. You guys know how time works, right? 
You can't go back to yesterday and redo yesterday. Boy, Groundhog's Day sounded awesome to me. You know the story where the guy wakes up every day and it's the same day? And he learns how to play the piano like Mozart. <laughs> he learns how to paint like Rembrandt. He memorizes poetry, all the poetry. He's stuck in that day, just repeating it to, until he perfects that day. And then he gets to finally get out of Groundhog's Day. Whew, I wouldn't mind going back to yesterday, last week. Oh, man, there's a decade in my life I, I'd love a redo. But time is brutal, isn't it? You're not getting this second back. Right now, today, you've denied yourself. It's not easy to come and meet new people. It's not easy to let go of all your feelings of, of this old world and worship God in song. It's not easy to sit and hear a sermon. Our flesh is screaming. Now, if you said, let's go eat a banana split, my flesh has no problem sitting there eating that banana split. But setting to even hear one prayer Ah, I got to crucify my flesh. To hear one sermon, oh, I got to crucify my flesh. We realize that our flesh is sold under sin and to bondage. It has not one spiritual ounce of desire. When I go to my knees to pray, my knees don't want that. When I open the Bible, my flesh doesn't want even one word of that Bible. We are sinners in a new nature. Paul said there's no good thing that dwells in me. Hold it, scratch that, that's not true. There's no good thing that dwells in my flesh, for in me, God's Spirit dwells in me, perfectly willing to do God's will. But yet, on the outward man, the things I don't wanna do, I do. The things I do wanna do, I don't do. Oh, wretched man I am, what did I discover? I discovered there's two things going on. There's my godly nature that God's made my spirit alive and his spirit is in my soul and and I want to live for God perfectly I can't wait to get in my new body where I always will please him but I find another principle in my flesh that this thing is dedicated to sin against God this thing is dedicated to grieve God's spirit this flesh of mine does not want me to do anything my spirit wants to do. That, that's why one of the things I, I have to teach Americans that you often don't have to teach in other cultures is don't listen to your feelings. Rarely does a feeling right. Our feelings will mess us up, yet Hollywood, we've been raised on TV, and boy, on TV, everybody has the right feelings of romance. Everybody has the right feeling, you know. They, they create it with the music, you know. When I'm doing a good work, I don't hear the orchestra and, you know, the build-up. And, and there's, oh, a smell of the sewer in the middle of my good works. I, I don't get that when I watch TV. I'm sitting there in my recliner and I feel all of the music. And, oh, I feel all the emotion. They have spent hours cutting and replaying it over and over and over again to create a feeling in me. And now I have this feeling, oh, honey, I want to love on you. After we watched that romantic movie, I love you so much. Yeah, they created that feeling in you. 
and it's going to go away. Well, going on here, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's a comfort for me to know that God has my life all planned out. The moment I believed, every believer, the moment he believes, will discover, and I believe every man who believes, that God is already ahead of time, has a plan for the rest of our life. He has things he desires us to accomplish for his kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and what? His righteousness and all this earth stuff will be added unto you. It'll fall into place. If you reach out for earth, you lose both heaven and earth. If you reach out for heaven, you get both heaven and earth. He has before ordained the work that we should do them. Paul writing to the Philippians says this way in Philippians 3 verse 12 through 15. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. That predestined plan. Brethren, I do not count myself as apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I can't go back in time. I can't live yesterday over again, but it makes me all the more determined today to not let any good work that God predestined slide by me. He goes on in verse 14, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then he ends this, therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. The millennials of today, you hear the word over and over again, whatever I do needs to fulfill me. Whatever I do needs to satisfy me. Whatever I do needs to add to me a feeling of accomplishment and, and joy and satisfaction. If it doesn't do that, then I'm going to cut it loose. I'm not going to do it anymore. And so you have the millennial, this is actually on YouTube, going to his boss saying, you are not doing enough to make this job fulfill me. You as a boss are not making this job comfortable enough for me to be here. You are not doing enough to satisfy me in the workplace, so I quit. That's the mindset. The good works God has for us will satisfy others. We bear fruit. Does the orange tree eat its fruits? Hey, slap! All the oranges are for me, the tree says. And he eats his own oranges. No, the orange tree labors and goes through all the seasons of a year that he might once a year give this beautiful, colorful orange. In the middle of summer when I'm hot, I can peel that thing open and the juices will squirt out. It's in a perfect package that won't hurt planet Earth. It'll keep all the various germs out perfectly, biodegradable, nice and wet and juicy. And then he puts it into all kinds of slices so I can share it with a friend. In the same way, we're no longer living for ourselves as Christ who died to himself coming into human flesh. Being found as a man in human flesh, he set out to spend his whole life not being served, but serve. 
not to see his interests as more important than other people's interests, but seeing everybody, even the least of us, their interests before our interests. This is the example. What it means for us to walk in good works means we die to our satisfaction, our comforts, our pleasure. And we live in such a way that brings pleasure and growth and strength to one another. If you're in marriage, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When things start going bad in marriage, you die a little more that you might bring out good fruit in your spouse. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. You die a little more so you don't kill them. And, you, and it's a wrestling match, but yet you keep being that wall and they pound up against that wall and they're trying to find the door to get around you and they can't and they're just so mad at you all the time and you're having to stand there and take it and be the wall so they don't self-destruct before they're 19 years old, right? That Gino Grassi says it this way, God this, did this in advance. Each one of us have an eternally prepared job description, which includes our task, our abilities, our place of service. We are not like paintings or statues, but rather more like songs meant to be sung, designed for action and to do good things. We're a work of art that is active, that we should walk in those good works. Though our good works do not merit salvation, they are the basis on which God promises to distribute rewards in heaven. Entrance to God is by faith alone, but entrance into eternal rewards is by the good works that you walk in. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before men. They may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. They're not man's good works. They're not one man being praised by another man. They, they look past that man and they realize God is the one doing it through this person. Boy, we could study, take us a year to look at all the good works that are possible that just the Bible mentions. Praying. Don't ever say, I can't do anything for you but pray, as if it's nothing. Prayer changes things, doesn't it? We can serve. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. Helping. The sick, the imprisoned, comforting, being there, power of presence, giving, our tithes, our offerings, but also many other ways. Going on mission trips, going to the orphanage. We're led by the Spirit in each and every hour of the day. Boy, that is good work, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 12, we have the gifts of the Spirit. So today in this season in which we, I want to exhort you in one particular good work. Why? Because the rapture of the church is coming soon. Guys, when I used to do a prophecy update, it used to take me six months to try to find some obscure article that talked about the possibility of a mark on your skin. We used to try to think about a computer system and you'd get some article out of Brussels about there's a computer system with everybody's name in it. And we would, oh, and everybody get goosebumps. I'll tell you what, you don't have to search hard. Matter of fact, it's almost like just being the nightly news for me to give a prophecy update. It's almost like, yeah, you just told me everything I saw in news this week. Guys, we're right here. 
Jesus knew that his time was coming nigh when he would be crucified and no longer be on this earth. And he said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. The night is coming when no one can work. In John 9, 4, he said, hey, there's a day coming that our good works will no longer do any good. Acts 1 says, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. Notice I didn't say you're going to go out witnessing. You by nature are going to be a witness. In Matthew 5, 13 to 16, you are the salt of the earth. You are a, if a salt loses flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but under a lamp but on a lampstand and gives light to the, are all those who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that he may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Satan has done a great work in keeping Christians silent. We have repeatedly taken the light that should have been shining in the workplace or at the family reunion or in our neighborhood or in the grocery store and we have purposely dimmed it and put our hand over it and ah, da, 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 think about anything but that it's by nature and if you take something by nature and stifle it it's useless we now have a born-again nature and we are the light of the world just be yourself in Christ, but don't just be yourself in Christ at church or around other Christians. Be yourself in Christ in the world. Somebody's sharing a sorrow at work. Just say, hey, let's talk about it at lunch. And as they share it, just say, I would like to pray for you, man. Jesus hears my prayers and, and share the Lord with them and pray for them. Well, I might get fired. Get fired then. It's your lunch hour. Yes, I, I realize the night is coming. The day in which we can share the, the night's coming, right? Very soon, being a Christian will keep you out of college. Being a Christian will keep you from getting that job. Being a Christian means you're mentally ill. Or in socialism, which we are now in, Religion is the opiate of the people. It makes them drugged and no use in a society. They're a bunch of drugged, crazy, insane people that have no use in society. Daniel 12:3 says, Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness let the stars are like the stars forever and ever. Wow. Poetry from heaven. We are beautiful on the mountain of those feet who are spreading the good news. And we, for all of eternity, will have a reward in heaven where we shine forever and ever because we have led others to righteousness. Romans 1.16, is this true about you? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Guys, are you ashamed? Are you ashamed to carry one of these around with you in your pocket or in your purse? or in your car and have it there every time you go into 7-Eleven. God bless you. Eternal life. Read this. See you later. Or maybe, do you know how to have eternal life? No. 
How do you do that? Let me read this with you right here. Why don't you read it and I'll, I'll, I'll listen. Guys, fraction of a second, somebody can go from life, death into life. You're watering, probably, you're probably watering on four other Christians ahead of you that told them about Jesus. I was sharing with the guy 7-Eleven just this last week and, and I said, man, I'd like to give this to you and, and I've talked to him many times and I said, I'd like to share how to have eternal life. Oh, you're one of those guys. They, they, they come in here all the time trying to tell me. I'm like, oh, really, what did they say? <laughs> what did they say? Because I'd like to water on that. Where's the plant? Let me water a little bit. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Is that true or not? I've had four babies. Well, my wife did. It was painful for me too, hearing her scream and having to be in that room for hours. Oh, my back hurt. Oh, I had to walk like two blocks to go to McDonald's. It was painful having kids. But when that baby is born, there's no greater joy, is there? I can tell you there is one. And that's to see somebody who will not perish but have everlasting life, who goes from death to life. It's the most amazing experience. For this is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The righteous shall live by faith. In Proverbs 10:5, he who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Wow. It's not just not sharing is a good work that could be done. Not sharing is a bad work. Right? Proverbs 11:30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is what? Wise. Is, is that why you haven't been sharing the faith? Because you're walking in foolishness as a believer? James 5:20. Let him who know that he turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. 2 Timothy 4.1 I charge you therefore before God the Lord Jesus Christ who judges the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Paul says, Timothy, let me try to take you into the future right now and imagine you standing before God giving an account in your body all that you've done, good and bad. That day's coming. You're going to have an account of what you did and didn't do. Everything, every even idle thought, we're going to have to get an account. Every word we spoke. Get out of your lethargy, Timothy. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Is there any other season? When you have time, when you don't have time. When it seems right, when it doesn't seem right. When you feel spiritual, when you feel like a sinner. Out of season. I find that most Christians feel they're always out of season. Every 10 years, I'm in season. I don't think that's the case. And then he says, get in the mix, man. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Paul said to the Jews who were rejecting him, he says, you've counted yourself unworthy for eternal life. I go to the Gentiles and preach the gospel. I think people need to hear that. It was God's will that you hear the plan of salvation. But if you're now going to harden your heart 
and not receive the love of the truth, then I commit you unto God. I can help you no further. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they'll heap up for themselves teachers. Once again, guys, we must work the works of him who sent us while it's day. The night is coming. He goes on in 2 Timothy 4, 4, And they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure affliction. What's sharing your faith? Enduring affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Yes, Satan takes it personally when you share your faith. You know, maybe that needs to be your motivation. The devil has so beat up on me, I just want to share my faith to tick off Satan. It's not because I love people and want them to go to heaven. I just want to mess with the devil. Well, let that be your motivation. It's not very pure, but let it be your motivation. Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, 34, Awake to righteousness and do not sin. Now, he's not talking about the sin of doing something wrong. He's talking about the sin of not doing something when you should do something. The sin of omission, not the sin of commission. Awaken to righteous, do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. I've talked to you about a guy who worked next to another guy in a cubicle for decades. And the friend comes in and, and says, ah, I got born again. Do you know how to receive Christ? Let me share. And, and the guy says, oh man, I, I'm a Christian. I've been going to church. I'm an elder at my church for, you know, ever since I was 20 years old. And the guy drop his jaw just drops. And, and he, he, he's just broken hearted. I've been in my own personal hell for all these years. We've worked side by side. And I never knew you were a Christian. You're a great guy. We've been great friends. But yet you did not tell me I was in sin and needed a savior and how to receive that savior. I, I, I don't know what to say to you. Boy, that Christian was just pulverized. But what did he do? Like a lot of us do. Oh, they'll never receive the Lord. Oh, they don't want to hear about it. They'll just get mad if I do. I don't want to irritate people here. I don't want to get the reputation of being one of those born agains. Yes, endure affliction. It is. Paul says, I'll, I can show in my body, it says in Galatians 6, the scars that I preach Christ and am crucified. Well, the disciples go to this town in Samaria. Jesus led them there. And it's just pagan. There's just no hope. Let's just get some food and get out of town. They go in to get a carne asada burrito in town. And Jesus stays by the well. And you know that story. He tells the woman at the well, you ask me and I'll give you water where you never thirst again. And he explained to her how to be born again, how to have, have eternal life. And she ran into town while the disciples were eating. And, and, and she told everybody that there's this guy, Jesus, and you need to hear what he has to say. He just told all things about me. This guy's something special. And they all came out, the entire city emptied out to Jesus 
to the well where he talked to them. But on their way out, this mass of people exiting the city, coming towards Jesus, and John 4, 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. They had bought him some food. He didn't want to eat it. He said in verse 35, do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look at the fields. So they're already white, which means they're on the verge of going bad for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages, gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps would rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered in to their labors. You may plant a seed and may look unsuccessful, but the word of God never returns void. You may water and get beat up for it, but it will never be unsuccessful. God's word will, God will take his word and not let their soul, not let their conscience forget it. And when they're quieted, God will bring those verses that you spoke to them back to mind. That attempt to love on them. Guys, you've been created. You are by nature a witness. You are by nature the salt and the light. You are by nature God's ambassador to speak to the world. Come to Christ, your sins will be forgiven. Come to Christ, for he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we would become the righteousness of God. I don't think there's any greater joy on earth than to see somebody leave darkness and come into light, to know that you were a part of the process of getting their names written in the book of life. And then the joy of walking with them as they mature in the Lord, taking them through the Christian Foundation book, taking them through the Gospel of John, wherever the Lord leads, and walking with them for several months or years, whatever it takes, to see them mature in Christ. No greater joy. Amen. Lord, I know that you made us not just to escape wrath in our faith, but you made us for many good works. The day after we were born again, you already had them lined up that we could, we should walk in them, but we still daily have complete free will. We day by day have to deny ourselves. Denying ourselves from yesterday won't help today. We gotta again today crucify our flesh with its passions and desires. We once again need to get our eyes on you where you're seated at the right hand of the Father and not on the things of this earth. And we know you've arranged many, many divine appointments. And it's to our shame that we were not watchful in all things. It's to our shame we were unwilling to endure affliction. It was to our shame that we were un unwilling to do the work of an evangelist. We don't feel like an evangelist. We don't feel called to be an evangelist but yet you commanded all believers to do the work of an evangelist. Heal us, Lord, from Satan, through television and through movies and through the media constantly telling us that if we are bold Christians, we're horrible, horrible, narrow-minded, evil, whacked out, insane people. And we don't want to be that way. We want to be cool and accepted. Lord, we know we can't be accepted by this world. We're pilgrims and strangers here. So Lord, please do that work of grace, that singular work. Lord, we know many good works you've prepared for us, but Lord, let us do the work. Whether it's a telemarketer on the phone, <laughs> whether it's a guy knocking at the door, whether it's somebody we pass by on the street, 
Lord, help us to understand our divine appointments that you've called us to walk in and let us walk in them. Cleanse us, heal us, in Jesus' name.